Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Hello, and thank you for standing by, and welcome to CalFrac Well Services Limited first quarter 2021 earnings release and conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Mr. Scott Treadwell, the Vice President of Capital Markets and Strategy. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning and welcome to our discussion of CalFrac Well Services first quarter 2021 results. Also on the call today are Lindsay Link, CalFrac's President and Chief Operating Officer, and Mike Olenek, our Chief Financial Officer. This morning's conference call will be conducted as follows. Lindsay will provide some introductory remarks, after which Mike will provide an overview of the financial performance of the company. Lindsay will then close the presentation with an outlook for CalFrac's business. After the presentation, we will open the call to questions. In a news release issued earlier today, CalFrac reported its unaudited first quarter 2021 results. Please note that all financial figures are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise indicated. Some of our comments today will refer to non-IFRS financial measures, such as adjusted EBITDA and operating income. Please see our news release for additional disclosure on these financial measures. Our comments today will also include forward-looking statements regarding CalFrac's future results and prospects. We caution you that these forward-looking statements are subject to a number of known and unknown risks and uncertainties that could cause our results to differ materially from our expectations. Please see our news release and other regulatory filings, including our 2020 annual report and items related to our recapitalization process for more information on forward-looking statements and these risk factors. Lindsay, over to you. Thanks, Scott. Good morning, and thank you everyone for joining our call today. Before Mike summarizes our financial position and results, I'd like to offer a few opening remarks. In general, the first quarter showed more positives than negatives but is ongoing evidence of the challenges facing our space. While activity either met or exceeded our expectations globally, it was impacted by weather in Canada, Russia, and the United States. While we are used to weather impacting operations in Canada and Russia, the February storm in the United States had a significant impact on that division, both in terms of lost revenue and profit due to slower operations and delays as well as a number of unforeseen costs, such as diesel fuel increases as refineries curtailed operations. As always, our people improvised, adapted, and overcame these challenges and delivered the safe and productive service that CalFrac is known for. I'd like to give my thanks to everyone in the field and our support personnel, once again, for a job well done. As a general comment, The improvement and relative stability in commodity prices has brightened the outlook for activity in the months ahead. But we continue to believe that the rapid acceleration seen in 2017 is not going to happen in 2021. 
Our customers, whether private, public, or nationally owned, have largely embraced the idea of allocating capital to generate excess returns rather than excess volumes. As always, we will see some producers grow faster than others, but we believe that at least for the remainder of 2021, activity growth will be measured. This approach will be a benefit over the long term as it will help create the foundation for sustainable operations. But the discipline underpinning it must also be mirrored by oil field service market participants. Certainly, import, input cost inflation may impact capital spending in the latter part of the year, but I do not expect to see significant upward revisions to spending plans this year. For 2022, I would expect more of a step function change in spending, but again, set against the overarching theme of capital discipline. Now, I will pass the call over to Mike, who will present an overview of our quarterly financial performance. Thank you, Lindsay, and thank you everyone for joining us for today's call. Our first quarter results showed further sequential improvement, driven primarily by higher activity in North America, offset marginally by adverse winter storms that disrupted our operating cadence, most notably in the, in the United States. Consolidated revenue in the first quarter decreased by 21% year-over-year to $241.6 million as lower activity in North America was partially offset by higher activity in Calfrax International Division. Adjusted EBITDA, EBITDA reported for the quarter was $11.9 million compared to $6.8 million a year ago. Operating income also increased by 127% to $12.9 million from $5.7 million in 2020. This improvement in profitability is largely due to better utilization for Calfrax operating fleets in Canada, Russia, and Argentina, combined with cost reduction measures that were implemented across the company during 2020. The net loss for the quarter was $22.4 million compared to a net loss of $122.9 million in the same quarter of 2020. During the first quarter of 2020, the company recorded a debt exchange gain of $130.4 million, which was offset by $114 million deferred tax expense that was related to the derecognition of the company's deferred tax asset and a $54 million impairment of PP&E and other assets. In addition, lower depreciation and interest expense in the first quarter of 2021 also contributed to the improvement in the company's reported net loss. For the three months ended March 31, 2021, depreciation expense decreased from the corresponding quarter of 2020 by $31.7 million to $31.6 million. This decrease was driven primarily by $227.2 million in impairments to PP&E that were recorded in the first half of 2020, as well as lower levels of capital spending on items with shorter useful lives and corresponding higher depreciation rates. Interest expense during the first quarter of 2021 decreased by $16.9 million from the same period in the prior year due to the significant reduction in long-term debt that resulted from the company's recently completed recapitalization transaction. Calfrax spent a total of $11.6 million on capital expenditures in the first quarter, compared to $29.3 million in the same period of 2020. 
This decrease was due primarily to the change in the amount of active equipment between the two periods. CalPREC's 2021 capital budget remains at $55 million, and the company will monitor market conditions and adjust spending as required. Working capital grew sequentially by $8.6 million, mainly as a result of higher revenue in all operating areas. During the quarter, the company received approximately $0.1 million from the exercise of warrants, and subsequent to the quarter, the company completed the rescission of approximately $1 million of its 1.5 lien notes. To summarize the balance sheet as at March 31st, the company had working capital of $170.1 million, including $14 million in cash. On March 31, 2021, the company had used $0.8 million of its credit facilities for letters of credit and had $150 million of borrowings under its credit facilities, leaving $139.2 million in potential borrowing capacity at the end of the first quarter. As at March 31, CalFRAC was in full compliance with all covenants credit agreement during the covenant release period and under the indentures covering the 1.5 lien and second lien notes. I'd like, I'd like to also remind our fellow shareholders that CalFRAC's annual general meeting will take place in a virtual format this year. The meeting will still take place on May 4th at 3.30 p.m. Calgary time. Our press release of April 19th and the Investor Relations section of our website contains the information required to attend this meeting. I would now like to turn the call back to Lindsay to provide our outlook. Thanks, Mike. I will now present an outlook for CalFRAX operations across our geographical footprint. We see commodity markets caught between two opposing and very impactful drivers. First, the rollout of vaccines has allowed some countries to return to more normal activities like driving and flying to see family. This combined with unprecedented volumes of stimulus spending has many observers expecting significant growth in demand for energy in the months ahead. On the other hand, other countries have struggled to roll out vaccines at scale and as a result have been hit by a third or fourth wave of infections, including variant strains. This has caused a tightening of restrictions in many areas and raise questions about the timing of a global return to normal. Add to this the lack of vaccines for developing nations and the timing of forecasted demand growth is more uncertain. Our view is that the market is acting rationally to directionally align supplies with demand while continuing to re return inventories to a more normal range. I believe that the market will continue to see lumpy, event-driven moves but that the overall direction is positive. In our U.S. division, operations experienced a general improvement in activity, disrupted, of course, by the winter storm in February. This storm caused operations to slow in North Dakota and Pennsylvania and resulted in significant delays in Colorado and Texas. In addition, the price of fuel and availability of trucking were impacted, resulting in a significant erosion of field profitability. Some of these cost increases can be recaptured as part of a normal course discussions with customers, but that process is typically commenced at the end of each quarter. Our U.S. operations saw stronger utilization and profitability in March, and that trend bodes well 
for the second and third quarters. Our frac calendar continues to fill up and for the most part, we expect all seven crews to work consistently over the summer. It appears that in this... I apologize. It appears that in this market segment, pricing remains well below what we feel is sustainable and appropriate. Pricing does appear to be moving higher, but so are a number of import costs. So we will continue to work hard to capture as much of the upside as we can. I expect that the U.S. division will generate positive operating income in the second quarter and that profitability should improve in the third quarter as well. Visibility on activity levels into the end of the year is still murky, but I'll reiterate my thought that I would expect to see more of a step function increase in activity as 2022 begins. In Canada, the first quarter unfolded as we expected, with small weather disruptions offsetting what was otherwise a quarter of nearly full utilization. Financial performance was similarly strong and reflects the current state of the Canadian market. The second quarter began very well with some first quarter work spilling into April. And while current activity levels are likely near the lows for the quarter, we expect larger programs to pick up in the first half of May and continue through June. Our visibility for second half activity has improved as expected, and I believe that our utilization will remain high through a good portion of the remainder of the year. We will manage our footprint between three to four crews as needed to give our field staff the work they need while efficiently servicing our core clients and realizing substantial, sustainable re returns to do so. I spoke about pricing in the Canadian market on our fourth quarter call, and that commentary still stands. However, what is now apparent to us is that, that a number of service companies had equipment consistently sitting idle through much of the quarter and were able to service work on a very short notice and did so without increasing price. This is of particular concern given current unsustainable pricing levels. An oversupply of equipment in the busiest part of the year adds to the difficulty in moving pricing for our services much ahead of input cost inflation. CalFrac's focus will remain on driving high utilization on whatever equipment is deployed rather than revenue growth or market share unless those results are accompanied by improved field profitability. Let me be clear, we will provide the same excellent service to our clients as we always have, but we will not market equipment that we do not see being utilized consistently. I'll now turn to CalFrax International Operations. In the first quarter, our operations in Russia continue to build off the strong momentum seen in 2020. Although severe cold and winter resulted in the loss of approximately 10 operating days during the quarter. As the quarter progressed, our operations resumed and we maintained high utilization through the end of March. The shift away from ice bridges to barges and pontoon bridges is largely complete and we expect our operations in Russia to deliver strong performance through the second and third quarters. 
the ongoing shift to multi-stage conventional wells along with increasing overall field efficiency support the view that performance in Russia can continue to improve in future periods. With the key to that success being Calfrec's proven ability to execute. Our operations in Argentina continued to perform well during the first quarter with limited disruptions outside of a change in customer mix for our large shale fracturing crew. Improving field productivity and overall demand for services are the keys to deliver further improvement. And I think CalFrac will benefit from both in the quarters ahead. We expect work volumes to improve modestly in future periods, and we are seeing increased demand for smaller fracturing services as well as coil tubing and cementing. We have had discussions with clients about the possibility of deploying a second large fracturing spread to the country, but I do not envision that as likely in 2021. To wrap up, I'd like to thank everyone at CalFrac for their efforts in delivering a safe and efficient service to our clients and for being part of a great team. Back to you, Scott. Thanks, Lindsay. Uh, operator, that concludes the formal part of the uh, call. We'll open it up to questions now. Okay. At this time, if anybody has a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Again, that would be star 1 on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from Wakar Syed from ATB Capital Markets. Your line is open. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Uh, thanks for taking my call. <clears throat> so, uh, f uh, first of all... Um Lindsay, what was kind of the run rate in March in the U.S. Um, revenue run rate versus like the average monthly run rate uh, that you saw in the first quarter in the U.S.? Uh, Wakart, Scott, I, I, that's a little bit too granular in terms of uh, where we, we exited, but I can certainly tell you March was uh, definitely the best month of the quarter, um, even normalizing for the weather impacts we saw in February. Okay. Uh, and then in terms of uh, kind of margins uh, in the U.S., like how, how do you expect, you know, expect them to kind of trend 
going forward, like incremental margins or overall margins? Any any guidance there? Um, I wouldn't classify it as guidance, but I would say our U.S. business, uh, the U.S. marketplace, um, the way we look at cost versus capital probably supports something in the mid-single-digit range for, for EBITDA at this point in time, and that, that doesn't contemplate any pricing increases. Uh, and so, you know, obviously there's, there's not much difference between uh, mid-single digits and, and zero, and so any change in utilization uh, has a very significant impact in terms of what you deliver to the bottom line. Sure. Now, in the press release, uh, there was a comment on Argentina that there was some uh, revenue that was um, um, from from your subcontractor. The revenue is kind of you know showing up in your uh, uh, financials. Could you maybe explain that? What's going on there? Yeah. So in Argentina, uh, as well as in Russia, but Argentina uh, is is more the subcontractor model. Uh, especially for large fracturing jobs, you're required to provide a, a number of services or you're responsible for those services. Uh, in the large frac operations, that would tend to be flowback and wireline would be the two big ones. Uh, and so those go through our invoicing and so they're recorded as revenue, but they're obviously subcontractors. And that's, that's not really a significant change. It may be a bit more significant in that we've had higher utilization for that part of the business, but there's no change to the model. Sure. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ricard. And your next question will come from Cole Pereira from Stiefel. Your line is open. Line is open. Morning, everyone. Uh, some, of the, some of the commentary on needing to see pricing increases uh, to add additional spreads. I mean, maybe this is too high level, but are you able to kind of quantify what you might need to see on a percentage basis in both uh, Canada and the U.S.? Uh, well, I'll give you kind of the, the overall commentary, and Lindsay might be able to give you some more color, but, you know, we're certainly not going to discuss uh, sort of detailed pricing uh, in, in the public forum. That's, that's something for our sales group to do with, with our clients. Um, I think the way you would think about it structurally is that there is today uh, a level of profitability for existing equipment, and if it costs you more money to bring equipment back, you can't use today's profitability to pay off tomorrow's capital investment. There has to be an incremental return that makes that capital worthwhile. worthwhile. Uh, because otherwise, uh, what, you've, what you've seen, in, in certainly in Canada and, and in the U.S., is that it, it makes sense if you look, you know, I can spend $2 million because a fleet makes $5 million a year, but that any fleet that's active would make $5 million a year. And so there's not much sense in, in adding to what's, you know, at best a balanced market, but likely a little oversupplied, uh, just using today's economics. So that, that would be the structural way to think about it. And, and I think, um, you know, the, the fleets are very efficient when they're, when, when they're not impacted by, by weather. So, you, you know, there's not lots of profitability to squeeze out of a efficiency a anymore because we're already very efficient. So, you know, we're really looking at, at net price increases Increases. Uh, obviously, the market is on a, I'll call it a steady state upward. So, you know, these increases probably are not going to occur in one step change. They're, they're, they'll be gradual, but we're, we're expecting them to be net increases of any cost inflation. Okay, got it. That's uh, helpful. Thanks. Um, also, wondering are you able to differentiate? Uh, in the U.S. if you're seeing kind of a wide dispersion in pricing between different basins? 
you, you know, I, I don't think there'd be significant uh, differences across basins. What I would say is between market segments, dedicated versus spot, uh, what we've seen, and, and you know, this, this commentary applies to Canada as well, uh, when there's equipment that has a gap uh, and there is a work program that fits that gap, the bidding is as aggressive as it has been in the last few years uh, because, you know, you can kind of get the logic that this, this spread either doesn't work or it does work, and so I take less money to, to, to fill that hole. Uh, and that's the logic that kind of works against kind of getting any significant pricing increase um, as you move forward. But I don't know that there's massive basin differences other than, you know, kind of job scope and preference for domestic or white uh, prop and things like that. Um, you know, different models in terms of pump rental versus uh, a per stage uh, pricing, but uh, you know, the the U.S. market's relatively efficient, so if there's a pricing disruption in one area, it'll tend to cause ripples everywhere. Yeah, I think not so much in the basin by basin, but the equipment rental model to a full service and product uh, supply uh, model does does give you a difference in in overall profitability that you can uh, you you can extract and of course when you were doing just a rental only model and we were in the I'll call it the low periods of activity that model gets very gets squeezed really hard because the only source of uh, of uh, revenue and profitability comes off the e equipment itself yet you know you're fully set up to to run all all products and chemistry and and, and such so so uh, you know definitely the the rental model has uh, has a lot of ways to go for for improving our profitability okay got it and then uh, just one last one for me uh, so one of your canadian competitors is talking about upgrading a fleet to tier 4 engines just curious if this is something you could maybe see Calfrac doing over the medium term, whether it be in Canada or the U.S. Yeah, I think it's a mainly a, an engine uh, an engine swap out. It's it, it's something we definitely have evaluated. Um, you know, it, it's not uh, it's not cheap by any any means uh, based upon the overall cost of a frac pump. It it uh, typically on a Canadian basis, it's probably a million dollars a unit. American 800,000 now, um, and to go into a, basically a two tier four uh, uh, dual fuel uh, pump, uh, so, so that's a, that's a lot of ex expense. I, I believe kind of it's almost a half fleet that's being uh, renovated or rejuvenated on on there, and it comes down to you know are you going to get the return for the effectively 10 million dollar investment? From from the uh, from the client, there there definitely can be a, an improvement in biofuel substitution with some of the new equipment, uh, uh, and that benefit needs to go into uh, paying for the for the capital expenditure on on that on that unit. So, if those things line up, uh, we, we we can definitely. Uh, do that. We, we've, we've looked at it, we have the engineering drawings to do it, and uh, the manufacturers or the re rebuild facilities are uh, set to do it for you. And Cole, the only thing I'd probably add to that is that as you look at new equipment, uh, 
you know, you have to sort of differentiate between incremental improvements and, and sort of step change uh, in, in, uh, in design. Uh, obviously, Tier 4 DGB is an incremental improvement, but it's still a diesel engine driving uh, a gearbox and a, a power end fluid end. So it's, it's, in general, it's essentially the same as we've done for, for sort of 30 or 40 years. Uh, but what I would say is that more critical, or equally as critical, I guess, as, as the ESG considerations and the financial considerations, is understanding the relevance of that equipment in the medium to long term. Uh, you know, the application is going to dictate a lot of, of how equipment evolves in our industry. That's going to be uh, the customer, if they have natural gas and, and the, the, the specs of that natural gas, their infrastructure to deliver that. Um, they may have a preference for a, a certain kind of power generation. Uh, and, and so I think you need to consider all of that before you would make a move because, you know, I think we've seen in a lot of industries in oil field services, there are advances in technologies that, that look really promising but don't turn out to be the complete right answer. Uh, and so I think there's still education to be done both for us uh, and, you know, our industry and, and the customers to understand what outcomes we're trying to get to and then understand the right engineering to get there. So as Lindsay said, we're, you know, I think absolutely, uh, you know, considering, examining whatever word you want to use about these, these new uh, options. But I think our preference would be to make sure we get it uh, right the first time uh, and, and deliver some real uh, step change improvements, not just to us, but to our customers and, and to uh, their returns and ESG impact. Okay, great. Uh, that's all for me. I'll turn it back. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Cole. Again, if anybody would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from Keith Mackey from RBC. Your line is open. Um, first, just wanted to start out with... Um, with your capital budget for this year, $55 million, and I believe there was five in there for uh, for dual fuel upgrade. Just curious if that's been done or uh, or if it's still in the works, and, um, you know, broadly speaking, where, where might that equipment be deployed? Uh, good morning. Yes, it absolutely is, is undergoing. It, it's being done. We've we released some units. We do them on a unit-by-unit unit, uh, basis and it's both being done in the U.S. and in Canada. So when it's released into Canada, I mean, it, it goes anywhere in the, in the Canadian uh, market. And in the, in the U.S. Uh, side, um, we, we have fleets in, in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania and Colorado and uh, the ability to do that in Texas. So we, we typically will, will just put it where it needs to go. I think we expect that by the end of this quarter, all of the uh, conversions that we've uh, that we've put forward to be uh, done will be completed. Perfect. Thanks for that. Uh, final question is: uh, It looks like the, uh, the the interest on the payment in kind notes was uh, paid in cash uh, this go round. Just curious if you could give us some some insights into the board's thought process on on making that decision and. Um, you know whether it's then safe to assume that uh, that the the cash payment will be uh, you know will be uh, used going forward. Hey Keith, it's Mike here. 
Um, yeah, you're correct in the in the sense that we made the payment in cash here in the first quarter. So um, I think that decision is made uh, on a visibility on cash flow and, and where we are from a liquidity standpoint in a discussion with the board. And that will be made in advance of, of every payment as we go forward here. So I, I, I think ultimately we understand the implications uh, on either side and, and we think that, um, you know, the, the financial stability of CalFRAC has certainly been greatly improved past the recap transaction. And, uh, you know, we'll look to make those decisions on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis or semi-annual basis. Got it. Okay, perfect. Well, that's it for me. Thanks very much. Thank you. I have no further questions. Thank you. I turn the call back over to the presenters for closing remarks. Thanks, operator. Uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us today. Uh, as you all know, our AGM is next week. Uh, we look forward to uh, talking with some of you then. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. This will conclude today's conference call. You may now disconnect. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc when everyone is on the same page getting things done at work is easy no matter what you do or what industry you're in how you communicate is key everything you type is equally important to collaboration and grammarly can help Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.